0: rap monkey music show too by ian mckay how are you doing i'm great i'm just gonna click
1: off this thing telling me that it's recording is in progress yeah, so it is in um, progress all is well yeah everything's good i'm busy as always but that's my life i have an all-time job
0: well you, you do and that's one of the most important things um people don't obviously people watching they know who are you from largely from fugazi uh discord records minor threat the evens and i actually want to talk about your the newest album you just put out if i say right is it quirky 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 i just want to start with that i love that album i mean it it has so many it has like the best features of some of your stuff and it has like joe shines in it like and and your wife shines in the drum it's just it just hits all the good spots kind of makes
1: sense doesn't that make sense though since joe and amy and i are in the band together
0: (laughs) all (laughs) right i get that somebody wants to
1: Somebody once said to me, Oh, it's it's like the evens and fugazi mix. I'm like, uh, Okay, yeah,
0: I was in. Yeah. <laughs> okay, pull that back a little bit so I don't sound like a complete idiot, just a small idiot. Imagine all your bands are like meals, and it's like some of my favorite ingredients in the meals that work together. I hear just you. amped up into a small, like a taco. It's like all my favorites are together. Like your voice and your guitar hits a certain point where in are playing is, and, and Joe's bass is a little more. Out there, so it just works in a different way than the evens do. And I, I know it's the same thing. but I'm saying, it just hits differently. That's all.
1: I hear you. Yeah. That's Thanks. I, I I take it. I take your words, your kind words, as you know, as uh I take them seriously. And I I wasn't mostly. I don't. I don't mean to be a smartass. It's just funny when people say it's like <laughs> yeah. Joe and Amy and you are playing. Go yeah, that's what we're doing. So it's all you know. It's just funny to me. It's it's hard for me to under, to think about music because I just I make do it. it. Yeah, and just and then I think I'm glad that what's interesting for me is like, like because I don't do any social media at all, and mm-hmm. because I think my uh, having played music for so long and people's sort of perception of me over the years has sort of changed, um, I rarely hear from people about the work I do. Like, no, like I write and I work so hard, especially on lyrics, I work so hard, and then there's almost zero zero response to my words like ever like i don't and really? i just don't know and it's, and it's and it's weird for me because i always think like am i resonating with people or is it ha- is something happening you know i just don't know um but i think it's because mostly i just have my head down i'm just working and then i started I, so.
0: like,
1: I just think like well i like guess you know like with the even stuff and the curriculum stuff you know it's just I started to wonder well should I should I even work as hard as I do on my lyrics because I just cause yeah. seem, people are just like oh great songs or whatever <laughs> it's like and i'm and I'm trying really hard to like change the conversation in life you know I'm just trying to get people to think about things in different ways
0: well and, and I think that's what part of the thing I'm saying and I love and I want to check the, the new album too I think what was great is and I wanted to actually talk about is your songwriting I don't ever hear enough about and your guitar playing in a way that You write songs, writing a good song and a simpler song that's good and doesn't sound simple is one of the hardest things ever. And one of the favorite things about what what you do in in all the bands you're in is you create these pieces that aren't overly complicated in a way where it's like overwhelming, but each time you listen to it, you still are getting something fresh. Hmm. And I think that's a challenge as an artist. And I've I've never been disappointed in, in any of your projects. And and the fact that this, this album, to me, is still fresh, as actually the lyrics are fantastic on this new album is actually, you know? Um, and I think they're quite current. That's why it's kind of funny, you're not in social media, you're not really involved, but you're just as relevant because, well, let's face it, the, the world is on fire right now. It's the same situation, you know, you know what I'm saying? in The way they are with politics, and it's getting goofier. I'm saying that the things that you were writing about earlier on and, and, and talking about your songs, are still right here now just as relevant
1: yeah i think that i actually think that the world first of all i think the world is not on fire but i think that there's parts of the world that are on fire um and i think that's always been the case forever and ever if you were to pick up the newspaper from 1967 or something and read the headline it was a nightmare absolute nightmare what was going on in 1967 or 1974 or 1983 or whatever it's like the, it's a continuing crisis um uh and the moment i think because of the delivery system of information because everything is so immediate it gives people a a sense of it's an anxiety creating sort of medium um people especially people who really are subscribe they have like their they have their trumpets in their pockets and the trumpet keeps blasting at them um i think that it starts to make people feel like, oh, the world's coming to an end. I don't think the world's coming to an oh, end. I don't think it's
0: coming to an end. I just think it's on fire as in like... Well, hold like oh,
1: hold on. Yeah, let me finish my point. Sorry. I'm not accusing you of thinking... Oh, no, 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 so like,
0: yeah.
1: um, My point is mostly that it's a continuing crisis that human beings, there's always been some human beings who have had the unfortunate capacity to do terrible things to each other um, or to the world, most people do not um and that's who i'm more interested in frankly um I, and, and when i say that what i mean by that is i'm more interested in doing thinking about like those people because that gives me the kind of hope that i think is important to deal with the, these other these other problems um so i think when i write songs i try not to to date them um mm-hmm. especially in Meyer threat for instance if you, you know my Threat song, i never once mentioned a politician's name I think the only thing in Meyer Threat lyrics that kind of, that kind of date them is I think I used the term quaalude, which you know <laughs> nobody you know, which is you know not Ludes. a drug that people think about now, but um I talk about lewds and uh but <laughs> by and large I just I really made it a point to not use terms or or refer to people or things that would somehow suggest that I'm singing about what the song I'm singing about can only be applied in that particular setting, where in fact, um, music for me, I'm inspired by music that was written in the 30s that speaks to me about the condition of the world now, because it is a continuing issue of the world it never stops and so that's for me the what i think music should be inspiring um from whatever age because it's speaking the ultimate truth which is that you know we should
0: do well and be well
1: and that's my opinion
0: no i agree with you. i'm sorry if i stepped over i think what i said, got so excited about was i think to me to add that was i think everything feels like a football game I don't, I don't do sport i'm not a sports person but like it feels like everything's a sporting event and everybody has teams and everyone else other team sucks like it feels like human beings just stop listening. That's the I mean on fire. I feel like the human the human emotions of people listening to each other seems to have shut down a lot more. And that's why music to me is still is healing mm-hmm. and it's cathartic. And I think and your all, all your songs that were then are relevant now. I love a lot of fun songs and fun rock songs because they give mm-hmm. you every, every song can give you different emotions for different things. So it's different for that. But what I love about yours is it's always a relevance and it's a a, a, a relatability, you know it's it's what's going on you, you feel what's going on and it, it's not like out of the world and the musicality is good and it's it's you know it, it's it's um just it's current but you 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 challenge the songwriting in a way that you use even you don't go crazy with guitars i love your sg and then you use a baritone guitar it depends what you're using you don't go crazy with different sounds but you still seem to create songs without a million different effects which is rare nowadays
1: I've never used pedals. So,
0: yeah, just That's not. fantastic.
1: And Fugazi, I never, I just used a, an amp and a cable and a guitar. I always, it's, it's par- partially because it's too overwhelming for me to think about. I just don't want to think. I don't, I'm sort of, I'm kind of anti option in life. Yeah. I think options make us go crazy because we spend all of our time <laughs> trying, to, trying to decide. And I just figure we're made, we, we're made to work and we have the tools we need which are here and here and here and here and here. And, you know, that's our tools. Um, and uh, so for me, when I start playing guitar, you know, if you give me, if I if someone gives me, give me a guitar and I'm playing through an echo or something, I'll start writing to the echo. It's just right. a, whatever. I just accept the context I'm in. Whatever is at hand, I'll work with it. But when I see um, I see most bands now people have a lot of effect pedals and stuff. And I find actually, I think to my ear and maybe it's just psychological, um, but the processing, there's this very millisecond of a delay, um, hyper mega millisecond of delay on everything. Cause it has to be treated, reproduced. Um, and, There's something about that which is akin to watching a movie that's slightly out of sync um it really it's it it also it makes me think that you know what we're hearing is not a guitar sound but a representation of a guitar sound and i'm interested in the vibrations of the guitar and the amplifier that's what i'm interested in um uh I, you know, I've seen bands who, like, for me, when I played Fugazi, for instance, I used a lot of feedback. And that was something that I was really, I love feedback and I enjoyed, but feedback was really contingent on the room. Every room you go into has different acoustics and certain tones would take off in certain different ways. If you had a wooden stage or a cement stage or a metal stage, whatever it is, the vibration, the way vibrations worked, Every night was different and every night it was a challenge. Um, that's the way I like it. I don't want everything to be the same. You know, I don't right. want that. As you probably know, Fugazi never used a set list ever. Yep. Like, again, the idea was to not have it be the same. The idea was to take the experience as it comes and then to be a part of that experience, not to control it, but to 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 surf it to just ride that moment and and to trust that we have the the ability to do that uh so I think with with instruments um partially because I just I'm not of enough of an um I just don't have I'm just not that interested I'm not a gear person uh I mean part of me appeal say oh, you must love that SG I do because it's my guitar That's all. Like, I'm not, it's not that I love it because like it has some particular, it's just, that's the guitar I got. And, you know, and I got into SGs, I think probably because Pete Townsend played it, you know, Mm -hmm. in Woodstock and, um, uh, and Charlie Watts in the cover of Get Your Ya Out, the live album, he's yeah. holding an SG and it's so narrow. And I'm like, that's so cool. You know, I don't know. Who knows? As a kid, something about the shape of that guitar appealed to me. So then when when my boss at the record store yesterday and today, this guy Skip Groff, he's like, hey, do you want to buy a guitar? And I was like, yes. And it was an SG. And I was like, yes, I want that guitar. And that was the brown one. Um, just because I like the shape of it. Uh, but... I, for no other reason i don't know if it's any better or worse all i know is that i know how to use it
0: yeah i i love sg's i'm not a super geek and uh, i think it's a rabbit hole and i get overwhelmed myself but i do like appreciate musician writes whatever they write with this guitar or whatever and these sounds or effects are part of the paintbrushes i thought the sg was great because i just like i thought uh, a big frank zappa fan i love that guitar mm-hmm. i thought it was cool Even, i had talked to when i talked to dweezle Duizzo, like when he first saw it he thought it was cool because it looked like batman to him the the points on it so everyone has a reason why they like something it's just kind of different
1: you know interesting yeah i don't know yeah so and i don't i mean there is there are definitely um visual markers and instruments you know like when you see a band and somebody comes out with a i don't know a bc rich or something you get that gives you a sense of where they're coming from i mean you do you there are visual identifiers that are they're real because that's the way we're we've we're trained or we've trained ourselves um i tend to just try to be as um less flashy as possible because i just want i'm not interested in appearances honestly i'm just interested in the work that's what
0: i'm interested well, in. well, what made you choose would you obviously you switch from Fugazi to the Evans, what made you choose for the baritone guitar? Though, like, what was the? Because you're not so flashy, I mean, I know you're very bare minimum. What made that decision?
1: There's no bass in the band. There's a two piece, and just, I, okay. felt, I felt like I needed more low end. I'm, 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 I think I'm really a bass player. Honestly, I played, <laughs> I played bass in the Teen Idols, and then I moved to guitar in Fugazi. But if you listen, I mean, I wrote a lot. I wrote quite a few of the bass lines in that band. Um, but also i'm a rhythm guitar player and i a lot of times joe and i would be essentially playing the same thing i mean he's a master bass player um yeah and so just playing with him he and i would just lock in together um playing and and gee was sort of the more of the kind of fireworks kind of guy usually um with his guitar stuff so i think that i come i'm very rhythmic and i come at, i come at the instrument as um Yeah. I just, I just hear shapes. I I can't, I don't know. I can't even explain it. It's just what I, how I play. And so when I, when Amy and I started playing, initially I played guitar. I had a, I had this weird other SG that I had put flat wound strings on. And it was a really bassy instrument. It had just a lot of low end on it. And I thought it sounded kind of cool. It was weird, flat wound guitar string. They're super weird. I would be interesting to fool see if, as a tool what would ha- what I could come up with. It was it was interesting. It was limiting, um, and I just missed low end. So then I actually had a baritone guitar, which I had been at a store about maybe six years before that, and this this is a local store, and they had this uh, Dan Electro. It was a reissue. They were putting out the baritone. And the guy said, "Oh, you might find this interesting. It's like a baritone guitar, and I'd I'd never even heard of it. I'd heard of a six string bass, but that's not a baritone guitar, you know? A baritone right. no. So that I just started. So I sat down with it, and I was playing it, and I thought oh, this is cool. This is probably ninety six or ninety seven, um, and it was I think it was like three hundred bucks. I was like, I'll buy it. You know, fuck, I'll buy it. And I bought it, and then." brought it back home the guy told me he says you know it was actually designed for surf music but then a lot of surf surf people had it just was not a great guitar it didn't work for a lot of stuff and he said that it most famously was used in the um uh spaghetti western soundtracks Mm. you know like the um what's it's leon sergio leon is that the name of the guy the I think so, yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. And I know you're talking about.
1: I know the sign you're talking yeah. about. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. So then I brought the guitar to a Fugazi practice and tried to play it through the Marshall, and that was ridiculous. <laughs> it didn't sound any good at all. Um so I just sat in my front room here at Discord House, and every once in a while I'd fool around with it, play. I liked it unplugged. It sounded I like Dan Electro's Unplugged, they're nice. Those mm-hmm. kind of um they have hollow bodies so they resonate, and I just like the way it feels. Um and so anyway, Amy and I were playing, and then I thought, "Oh, may I try the, the, the Dan Electro, and just not distorted, and it sounded great." And I then I could play. I did a lot of stuff where I'm actually playing a bass line with my thumb and using my other, you know, the fingers to play other bits, and it was interesting. You know, I got a, I liked it. It was instrument, but then when we started playing with Joe, when he came back from Italy, and we started playing together. Originally, I was playing the baritone. And at one point, Joe said, you know, I have the low end covered. <laughs> so I said, okay, so I got the SG back out. And now, so,
0: curricula, I play SG. You guys, so, you, people that don't know, the band started, what, is it 2015, I think I read? You can't trust the internet. Yeah, Around we that started time. playing.
1: No, that's about right. We, 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 Joe, before he moved to Italy, or maybe at some point earlier, That we played together, the three of us. I mean, he had done stuff with Amy in the past. Yeah. And, you know, we have all known each other forever. So then he's living in Italy um, for about eight years. And he came back in around 2015. So we just started to play together. But I've never been in any hurry. I always, I'm just not in a hurry. So I, so, you know, I don't know if you know the beginning of Fugazi. When I first, you know, started talking to Joe about playing music, I said to him, do you want to play music with me? I'm not forming a band. I just want to play music. And he said, yes. And then we asked if this guy, Colin Sears, who was a drummer for his band, Nasty, and they had broken up. So I ran to Colin and I said, hey, Joe and I are playing music. Do you wanna play music with us? We're not forming a band. And he goes, sure. So then we just played music. We just practiced and practiced and whenever we could, we practiced. And then at some point, Colin Dagnasty reformed and Colin left. And so then Brendan was practicing here at the house at Discord. So I said, hey, Joe and I've been playing music with Colin. Do you want to play music with us? We're not forming a band. And he said sure. So then we played with Brendan for 6 months. So this is now almost a year we've just been playing in the basement and loving it, just playing and playing and playing. Um eventually, it was like maybe we should do a show and be a band. But it was, but for me I just just want to play. So when Joe came back from Italy, And Amy and I were playing together all the time anyway. We never stopped playing, even though the Evens hadn't done any gigs. We continued to practice and work on ideas. We played with other people. And when Joe came back, we started playing with him. And uh, it was just nice. And at some point, we thought, oh, maybe we should play a show. And uh, I think we did a couple of shows in 2019 um, that were cool. And then we did about eight or nine shows in the end of 2019, into 2020, and then pandemic. And that was that. you know we haven't played since but but the point being that we just start we just played together we just i have so many recordings of us practicing and working on ideas um it's a little too honestly it's a little too glacial because i can't finish writing songs and that's a problem like i just take forever because there's no pressure (laughs) to finish a song you know, historically it's like you gotta get the song done so you can go on tour, you gotta get the song right. done. I don't have that. So um and also I'm kind of I'm at a point in my life at the moment where I'm like, all right, I gotta relearn. I gotta re I gotta teach myself how to write a song again. Well, I think great. the
0: songs are great. And that's why I was wondering if there'd be more because this band. I'd like to see more albums come from this band sooner than five every five, ten years, you know.
1: Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I mean, at the moment I'm I'm you know, we're taking a break. Um because I really hit a wall. I just say like, I can't write a song right now. So that's all right. Again, I'm I'm in no hurry. So whatever, when it's time, it'll be time. And we did write a few more songs during the pandemic. And we I don't know, you know, we did some recording. I don't know what ever happened with those things. Um, I think it was an unusual. It was a bad. It was a the timing was weird. Because we really did had done eight or nine shows and they're great and then we got you know the, our last show like the beginning of march of 2020 and then bop you know we got everything got shut down our record came out that summer but you know it's like to a vacuum right because you can't go play the show you right. don't really have any sense of it um and then you know such a long such a long period of time that you know we never so we never did a show after that and um and then last August a year ago I just thought oh I can't I'm I need to take a break I'm I need to I really do I'm not kidding around I need there's time to my life where I think I need to I need to stop playing music I got to remember how to write a song you know the, I can do it I just need I need to get my brain into that sh- yeah. that form you know I'm, I'm getting there i've been playing by myself i'm getting there and and when i write some songs then maybe we'll get back to practicing i just need to finish some shit i have too many unfinished things i have thrown away more riffs i've forgotten more riffs than i've written and it drives me nuts because there's some good riffs in there that i just forget about
0: record them yeah at least something right
1: i do this sometimes but sometimes i just forget to do that and then it's comes- <laughs> Well,
0: in the beginning, though, where you you wrote you did a lot of writing, and then at one point, like in Fugazi, like there's more collaboration, right? So then it, did it kind of changed again, where you were doing more writing again, like with the Evens. and and then this band, like it was just it shifted. Yeah. Was it better to have some collaboration? Yeah. Did it kind of push you a little bit more?
1: they are different, you know, just different things. I mean, the beginning of Fugazi, I was writing pretty much everything. Joe right. was also kicking bass lines, but it was you know I was doing all the singing in the very beginning. Um, so then I would come in and say, and also, you know, Brendan was new, and so I'd just say, oh, here's a song, and I'd come in with a song, and then, so at the beginning of the band, I would say, here's another song, here's another song, and I'd write the verses and the choruses, and i have the whole thing arranged with the words and everything, um, but at some point, they're like, hey, you know, we'd you know, we like to be a part of this process, and we're like, oh, that yeah. hadn't occurred to, you know, I wouldn't trying to be, a, I wouldn't try to be the boss of everybody, I literally just, just my way, so I said, oh, and wh- one of the things is that when you write, when you like I would bring in sort of finished songs and then they would take the songs apart, you know, because yeah, they want to be a part of the process. And I I told somebody it would be a little bit like if you rode a bicycle to practice, and then the bicycle would wheeled into the room, and they the people, other people in the band take the bike down to its nuts and bolts, and then they move some parts around and they take some parts out and they put it back together you can't ride it anymore you know that's what it felt like to me it didn't work and so <laughs> it was too painful so i realized oh don't bring in finished songs bring in ideas and then grow them with other people and that was so amazing i mean fugazi like the time we spent working on music together I mean, it was, yeah, obviously it was hard sometimes but really that for me, it was so rich that that experience so just because Brendan and Guy and Joe, are, they're all brilliant musicians and they're super, we're all super funny. And and we have such a great like vernacular between the four of yeah. us. Um, and it's so exciting when you, you know, you're pushing something, all these sounds together and they end up being something. It's such a nice feeling. Uh, the Evens, Amy's an absolutely brilliant musician as well. Um, but she's she's a drummer and she and while she's very she's very musical, um, the her work she's she doesn't have a lot of she's not coming with riffs, for instance, you know, oh, she's, yeah. you know and um, and Joe, I think Joe had some, but he's I think Joe kind of felt like this is sort of your guys' thing. I'm just gonna kind of like, I'll, you give me some stuff to work with and I'll bring in my ideas. I don't know, it just was not um it's been hard because i also i've written a lot of songs and i also um uh as you get you know as one gets older one sees the world more and more increasingly more nuanced so it's the the broad stroke is 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 um harder to achieve you know you know that's why when you said earlier the world's on fire i'm like well actually you know that's just me that's the way that my brain works
0: well no and and i think yeah
1: i get that I think yeah. right now, I, everyone's like, oh, what a shit show the world is. Or like, you know, everything's going to hell. And I just don't think that's a productive way of thinking. I'm not saying that to you. I'm just saying to the world. No, I, think- I actually think that the world is is, is a, an incredibly beautiful place. And we need to work hard to try to stop people who are doing terrible things. That's what I think.
0: I agree. And I think and, 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 and what I think is, I always hope, I'm always i super optimistic about everything. I think at least with the internet and we're learning that people in this country also aren't the same as their government. We're all kind of the same. It's more the governments, you know? And I get that. It's just like lately, the people I know in the day-to-day world are so much worse to other people. And I'm like, where is this coming from? This is the <laughs> my favorite part of, the, of being human is the humanness that, with, the, with the connection. And it feels like people, that just feels like it's evaporated a little bit with COVID or something that happened where there's a twist. And that to me is where it feels like the world's on fire to me because that was my favorite part of the world is the connection of I guess, the day-to-day uh, humans.
1: And i sort of a meta form though, to me right. saying the world's on fire is that is the same. That's the same. Like if everyone's, yeah. that's the point. That's exactly right. Like everyone feels like everything's so fucked up or everyone's not being nice to each other or whatever. Then it just, then then you're, it's almost like you're cementing or you're like, you're shellacking the, the, the picture you're, you're, you're freezing the image. Whereas I, I actually think, again, I do think. You know, I've said this for years that you know we this society has been stoned on technology, and um and I think that's still the case. It's getting to be less the case. I think people are starting to recognize that they these devices are tools and they're not um, religions. But um it's going to take a little little while longer. But it has affected deeply the way people interact. Um obviously the pandemic was uh, a supercharger in that, that that arena. Like in terms of people. Everything being like this, talking yeah. through a screen or whatever. Um and you know, you know, the thing about text as a form, period, is it re- you know, reader reader supplies the tone, you know, whether it's email or text, but especially with text, reader supplies the tone. So if you write, you know, if you said, um, if you wrote me and said, Hey, you know, you know, hey, you know, the interview starting in five minutes, I wrote back and I write back, I'm aware. Right. Um, you might think I'm like, okay, I know I'm aware. Or you don't call me an idiot. Or, or you might, or, right. or maybe I was like, I'm aware. <laughs> Who knows? Reader supplies the tone. And that's, it's a problem. You know, I do most of my work, you know, most of my business on the phone just because I can at least hear the tone also it's yes. much quicker, just get the shit done. Um, but getting people on the phone is, that's a challenge uh but i do i do think that I, I think that we've been deeply affected as as human beings have been deeply affected at least in our society by the technology and that probably has led to people having a harder or more it's been more difficult for people to to interrelate to the there's probably been some effect of that certainly if you sit on a bus or any other mode of transportation um you know, you'd be hard pressed to count, you know, the number of people who are on their devices. Oh, yeah, and that's, that's weird to me, you know, cause I don't even have a smartphone. So I'm always just sort of in the, I just like to look at the out the window or look at people, but it's all right. I'm not mad at them. It's just a different, it's just, it just shows they're engaging in something very private or something. Um, but they're not in the room with me. And, uh, that's just, what we, but that could affect maybe our our inner our relationships. You know, perhaps. <laughs> to me,
0: the, well, yeah. To me, the exciting part of, the, of having a cell phone was I could put my music on it. I had to wear a, a walkman, go through eight batteries a day, and I had a phone on me. So to me, I'm always listening to music. That's my big connection. I get you it, know, and I try being self aware of not being looking at the phone because when I see people doing that, it reminds me to not be that person because I don't right. want to be that person. Not be, not judging them, but I don't want to be not focusing on the world. So I try to keep yeah. encouraging myself. To be clear, I'm not a
1: Luddite and I'm not like I'm talking to you on a device. This is, you know, I'm on a a laptop and this is a fucking miracle. Where are you right now? I'm in Connecticut. All right. So I'm, you know, what, what, what town? Hartford. All right. So you're in Hartford. So you're approximately eight hours on, you know, drive from Washington, D.C. And um, but we're having a conversation in real time. Uh, It's a miracle. So I'm not, you know, I get it. It's like and I've, you know, it's. I'm not a Luddite. Uh, You know, I think that my decision about the the device that I carry, I have a flip phone, is really one of self-preservation because um, I find the constant, like just being constantly connected at some point just starts to make me feel insane. Like, I just don't want to get there. Now, that's just about me. I'm not, other people, that's their business and I'm not mad at nobody about it. But when you talk about the way people interact with each other, I'm just suggesting that probably there's some role in that and I think that humans will figure out how to make how to work weave that back in. Ultimately, we are together. You know, that's my sense. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm a generally an optimistic guy. So that's the way I am.
0: Well, I was excited over the use of the Zoom, like for us and, and, and over over this over COVID. I was talking to people in Brazil and all different countries and we we're all getting on. And I'm like, this is this is the good part of technology. This is a communication tool that people that aren't in government or celebrities are flying on jets that anybody can open up any kind of device pretty much and talk about how they feel and share, like I said, in real time. And that's fantastic. And that's, that's a good thing for humanity. Now, too much of a good thing to be bad, you know, (laughs) but to that point, I do think that was, that was my concern on that part. To me, that was my favorite part of being human. That's why, that's why it feels bad. I think the world's fine. I do think that yeah, I mean, it's always been weird like this, but I hope humans turn like, like you said, back to back to being, you know, more, 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 more uh, kindness. I mean, I miss kindness. I just feel like that was my favorite thing. You know,
1: be kind. Yeah, go You should go in the world and be kind. It's it's go it's on. a great thing. Yeah, get out of your house. Go be kind. That's that's my that's my that's that would be the first step. I mean, years ago, I will say this: that like years and years ago, a friend of mine said to me. This is when I was in Meyer Threat, maybe. She said, Oh, it's funny. All your songs have like the word no or don't or not, you know, or these. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. I hadn't really thought about it, you know. And so over the years, I kind of I meditated on that. I thought, no, not meditated, but I thought no, about I it. Um, but I thought about this, the conversation. And at some point in the mid 80s, maybe even the late 80s, I remember thinking like, you know all this like these angry songs and it's like this sort of protest and all this stuff. And I, I said, like, what what is it that we're fighting for? Like, what is it? What are we trying to achieve? Like with all this, like if we're frustrated, if we're angry, what is it that would be? What what's the answer? What's good? What would be? What are we trying to? Yeah, what do what do we hope to bring about with all this work? And my best guess in its sort of generalities would be happiness and peace and justice, fairness, um, action on peace. Um, you know, like that, that to me, it seems like that's the idea. That's what we're we're fomenting for. Um, and I thought about people I knew who were, especially in the political world, who are really angry and just so like just furious and, and, convinced that the government's this, that, and, you know, whatever. And I don't know about you, but people I know who are like that, they're like, I, you're like, you can only take so much of it, yeah. you know, because it's unending. And I knew people who are in singing in bands who are sort of political, and they are just perpetually furious and scared and convinced that some bullshit was happening and this conspiracy and that conspiracy and all the stuff that was going on. And I thought... I don't want to hang out with those people like that doesn't they're not welcoming because they they don't trust anybody, you know, it makes. And then I thought, well, what what kind of people do you want to hang out with? And I thought, like, people who are kind and, you know, want to share and trust, trust you. I thought that's that's the person that's where I want. That's the community I want to be a part of. That's the community I'm trying to create. It's a great one. Right. So that's how I decided I was going to fucking live. Just to be kind and to be trusting and to not jump for the jump at the conclusion that everything was terrible or to jump to a, you know, that to be really like, I don't do a lot of bad mouthing as stuff. Yeah. Right. And, 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 you know, I try to be, I do, th- I do stress that, that one can be critical of society without taking, ju- not without being judgmental on, on individuals. i think that's a really important distinction um so when i talk about smartphones i'm not this is not a judgment of any one person it's really about a societal situation and i think that's legitimate and i think it should be thought about but it doesn't mean but i'm not gonna be fixated on it i don't at the end of the day here's the thing do you remember some forgot he had a song called song number one do you know that song yeah do you remember the chorus of the song it's nothing and that's i genuinely believe like yeah it's all fucking nothing this is all a bunch of nonsense you know really when you get down to it all you know all the shit behind me all the shit behind you all the all oh, the, yeah. stuff, all the all, it's all it, it's it's up if right now like a, a meteor could land on discord house and wipe out everything that i've ever been involved with and it wouldn't it wouldn't affect a hair on a camel's back and another, no one cares. It doesn't matter. It yeah. completely doesn't matter. Um, so with that in mind, knowing that everything is ephemeral, then I think do well, be well. Why not? Spread- well, I, when I
0: started the show. It was about that. Just being happy. Like I never, we don't, I don't ever talk about anything negative. I don't talk about I Just You don't need to. Everyone's got their opinions they, I don't, they don't need mine. I don't need to share my thoughts or negativity. It's about giving somebody a couple of minutes of happiness. It's about laughing. I love to laugh. I mean, there is negativity. Let's laugh about it. Let's, let's move on. And I think at one point a few years ago I learned, and I, and I think that's one of the things that always resonate with the, I think I felt with your music, it's not about the ending. And I realized I'm like, am well, i never happy. I always achieve something that I feel like I was next. I forgot to enjoy the journey. I think I, I look back, I'm like, I was happiness getting to that point, like trying to work and learn and create as the journey goes. It's like almost the better part, like being a part of the movement. And not the end, which is like the reward of whether it be cash or a house or a right. job. It's like it's looking back to how you got there, to, you know, or just is... not looking back, just just doing. Well, from <laughs> so, my from, from my from my from my thoughts, yeah. like, when I first realized, yeah. I was like, wait a minute, what was my... yeah. I was actually kind of happier getting to that point, you know. No.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, I'm not a goal oriented person. I'm never, never been
0: Especially more now. I'm just trying to be happy every yeah. day. Right. you know you did say something once that i thought was very 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 I mean, maybe it wouldn't be so heavy but maybe it did and you presented it always and it was, it helped me change my my vision of being so stressed out over the government and like democrats or republicans and different parties and you said you said look this is the government is a business right and i went oh like it's there i get it and yeah. then i started thinking about how people play it and move it i'm like it's not this and this it's just this Right. And people aren't aware. I don't know if it's actually, you've said it different places. I forgot. I saw it. There's there's a lot of great lectures and and talking pieces you've done on YouTube, which I've really enjoyed and people can really get into. I'm just kind of having a conversation with you. And I really enjoyed the talk. I really enjoyed what you're talking about because it it really just kind of gave me a different perspective about, about just the government in a way, you know, and I think it made me feel less stressed.
1: Having grown up in Washington, DC, you know, I've been here my entire life. I'm 61 now. And, uh, it's so obvious to me that the government is just a giant factory in the middle of town. You know, you're in Hartford insurance is your, your jam, right? Like, in, <laughs> right. So I do IT, yeah. I do
0: it for insurance. Well,
1: yeah. Right. So, right. So, so that's the big, that's the business in town. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm from, Was- I'm a Washingtonian. I'm not, I'm not a federal, I don't, my parents didn't work for the federal government. I'm not involved in that world at all, really. Um, but it's all there. And once you recognize, I mean, at the end of the day, um, It's, yeah, it's a business. They're looking after themselves. And they, that's their bottom line. Everybody in that world is, they may have, they may have stated intentions, but as a bulk, they're, they're, they're just keeping their jobs. That's what they're doing. Um, I guarantee you that if, for instance, if they shut down the government and all of their, their, salaries and their um their salaries and their amenities were cut off with that they would be shutting the fucking government down right that's yeah. they would never let it happen but they that's how they've got it set up it's always about them and uh there was a great i saw years ago i saw a documentary about it was during the invasion of iraq in the early 2000s and there was there in um maybe in Fallujah or something like that. One of the, one of those towns where they had horrible, horrible fights. And it was a, it was a bunch of, um, it was a lecture being given. It was like, it was like a meeting with a bunch of the lieutenants and sergeants of some, you know, the army or whatever. And some commander person came in, he was sort of having a, I don't know, what do you call it? Like a little, they're having a meeting and he's talking yeah. about, he comes in to talk to all these guys and, and, you know, these, these other leaders And he said, before I start, he goes, let me just ask you all, like, what's our mission here? And the room is sort of stunned silently, right? Like, they're like, and everyone's like, uh, and then some guy puts his hand up and he says, to spread democracy? And the guy just laughs. He goes, oh, he laughs. And he goes, come (laughs) on, come on, come on, let's, let's move away. What Really, what's our mission? What's our mission here? And then someone else said, to uh, stop the the revolutionary guards attack on and he goes, Oh, come on, we're not, that's not why we're here. what what is our mission? And he kept asking, no one could give him the answer. And finally he said, no, he goes, our mission is to protect ourselves. That's what they're doing. And when you think about it like that, you think about the government, like their mission is to protect themselves, and that means, they always look after themselves, their money and all that. So once you realize that, that's the same with your business, not your business, but the insurance business, the same thing. It's about making money and looking after themselves. And they'll provide a service as long as it generates the money that will you know, take care of the things they need. Um, but uh, end of the day, their mission is to protect themselves. And when you think about the government like that, it really puts it into a frame that makes it much more manageable. Because if you, if you get it confused... Sometimes I think people confuse government with religion, although ironically, religion is also a business, but um Biggest but, business. You know, yeah, pa- you know patriotism has this sort of you know, sort of religious overtone to it. but um yeah, I don't know. I think that you know the, those structures um, they've done religion and government have done many wonderful things for people um, and they're also responsible for almost all of the horrible things. When you think about it yeah i was talking I something other day about it. religion I, I talked about i was talking to a cleric the other day and we we're talking about religion i'm i'm i guess i'm an atheist i'm just not a subscriber whatever the fuck. i don't i just don't it's not, I just, my life is it's not i don't need i don't it's not my thing but anyway we talk about religion and, and i said you know re- the thing about religion for me is that it's like so much incredible stuff came out of it. Obviously, the civil rights movement and, the, and all these different progressive movements religion had a huge role, important role, deeply important role. But then but then on the other hand, like you think about almost all of the major conflicts, the bloodletting in the world and somewhere in there, if not at the fucking front, there's religion like what's happening right now. In a number of different places, there's a religion right and squarely in the middle of it. And that is not about God, if you ask me. No, I agree. It's about power. And and they're using religion for power. But um so again, think about like a business. And then it helps us figure out what the, what's really going on.
0: It, it did put things in perspective. Um I'm keeping mindful of your time. I a couple of minutes left. I just want to ask a couple quick questions that i ask you. Was always interesting is you had a great model with with um, with Fugazi about keeping the ticket price down and not having shirts and stuff. But being a day and age that a lot of bands are having a hard time to keeping control of their merchandise that's not really theirs anymore that other companies are doing it. Are you seeing struggles with non-Fugazi stuff or minor threat or other shirts and stuff being made that aren't affiliated with you that are people just kind of taking them all running because it's just so hard to track. You have stuff bootlegs? like that now. Yeah, but a lot of companies are so good at it nowadays. It looks like it's official merchandise. It's not well,
1: like- Fugazi, Fugazi never made shirts. Right.
0: So that's it's
1: really it's a funny thing. My a fan,
0: I know that, but other people don't later on, you know, know, what I'm, saying? Right.
1: Well, know I'm just let me I'll explain something to you. So, yeah, Meyer threat, those guys actually back in 1983, Blyle and um, Brian and they made Meyer threat shirts. So it wasn't like that we those guys were selling. I didn't make them, but they did. And um, and they and I didn't make any money. That was their gig, not mine. Uh, But um, over the years, there was a few companies that would make shirts and send us a check every now and then. And we were, you know, we're fine with that. And but it got confusing because then anybody could do a shirt. And then I would get a call from Jeff Nelson and he'd say, this this is a bootleg. And, you know, there's some guys selling bootleg Meyer thread shirts. I'm like, oh, and then he'd say. I, we, we, what do you want me to do? And he's like, well, I guess shut it down because you know, only these other people are actually paying us. And, that, and I was like, I don't. First of all, I don't care about shirts. I don't. I never wear band shirt. I just don't care. <laughs> so, the idea that I'm spending my time going after bootleg, it just seems so weird. Bootleg T-shirt stuff. So eventually, we ended up working with this company who does. They're a merchandise company for the Meyer Thread, just Meyer Thread shirts, and it was such a relief because. They have like, that's their, they have the minor threat merch rights. So they're in charge. So then now somebody, there's a bootleg. I say, hey, these guys are doing a bootleg and they deal with it. I don't have to deal with it anymore. It's done. I was talking to this guy and he's a brilliant fellow, this guy who runs this company. And I was talking to him about bootlegging and he says, there's only really one band that has managed to um avoid bootlegging on a commercial level and that's fugazi because f- everybody knows if Fugazi doesn't make does not license their image for t-shirts so any like yeah somebody can print them up and sell them in their store or whatever that's fine right. but but i mean that may happen but in terms of selling thousands of shirts through some like Target or whatever doing that kind right. they, No distributor in the world would take a Fugazi shirt because everybody knows Fugazi doesn't license their stuff. So the, the irony is the one band that probably has the, the, the rich, richest market because there are no shirts is also the band that no one can really bootleg because it's just so well known that we just didn't, we don't, we don't authorize it.
0: I love it. And it's a fan of like The few shoes I'd like to wear would be a Fugazi, but at the same point, I love the fact you don't have it.
1: Like something yeah, about it just
0: your, seems so cool. It's special. Make your
1: own. Make your own right. shirt. That's we always tell people: make your own shirts. Yeah, you know, if you want to write, have a name on you, write it yourself. Yeah. Do it. I don't. We're fine with that. It doesn't matter. It's just. I think we just wanted to play music, and we felt like there was such emphasis on, on merchandise. Um, there was other ways of approaching. It. I get it now. I understand the thing that she, obviously the world nowadays is different. though. it helps the band nowadays. Sure, and it helped bands back then. For sure. Young bands were touring. They could sell their shirts. It's great. No problem. But was, the, but I actually, it is actually a parallel economy. I mean, it certainly helps, you know, some of like, you know, these Uber things. We're talking like, I was talking to someone yesterday said, Taylor Swift is selling literally millions of shirts, millions of dollars worth of shirts every night. You know, um, I'm, I'm sure it helps her band or her, you know, but but is it necessary? Probably not. It's just a parallel economy, you know. Really? There's always, you know, people always like to set up, you know, the hot dog stand near the, you know, <laughs> the the ballpark. <laughs> just, it's just It's just not, you know, that's all. It's just there's t shirt, there's merch, and then there's music. And nothing wrong with it, not not in judgment. If people want to sell or buy, it, that's fine. I think for us, just not interesting. We just wanted to play music, and we found a way to do it. Now, people could say, yeah, we, you wouldn't be able to do that now. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. We we're not playing. I'm not playing right now. So I can't really. So it's just it would be a hypothetical. But I will tell you this. I would come up with ways of I think I could figure out a way to 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 um, it's always about creative response for me. I'm I it's a challenge. And I like to think of ways to to defy the convention.
0: Well, I would think with with social media, the reach now, I think you would have had a really good. A new way to approach it because you, the reach wasn't the same back then. You came up with your own way. Nowadays, you yeah. just got to think about it because the reach is there. What can you do with it? Everything is the tools are there for anybody now. Right. What they do with it is, you know, if you everyone's wasting their time with followers. I tell you that right now, you need to stop worrying about followers and buying followers. That's just ridiculous. They need to fo- focus on doing stuff.
1: Yeah, I think that in my life, starting as a kid, whenever someone said to me like, "Well, you got to do it this way," And that was always instantly like, oh, I'm gonna find the other way to do it. <laughs> you just, it's like I remember I would say, well, you gotta go to college. And I'm like, no, I'm not gonna go to college. Like, there's no way. I just felt like I saw colleges. Like, I was taking a walk through a parking lot once, and then I heard a screeching of a car breaking, and I thought it was, it was an acoustic illusion. I thought it was right behind me. Yeah, there was no car. It was screeching somewhere else. I was just lost in a dream, and suddenly, ah, but I, I had that kind of. You know, I froze up getting ready for the impact and it didn't happen. But then I started to think about like, wow, what if I had been killed at that moment? And I was probably, I think I was in 11th grade. And I thought if I had been killed that moment, I would have spent the majority of my sort of cohesive life, you know, in a, my time being bracketed by an institution, school, right? Every day, yeah. five days a week, you're in school. Even the weekend and the summer are defined by school because they're the time off of school. So that's still the the, the narrative is controlled by the institution. So I was thinking. Why on earth would I then volunteer for four more years of that, you know, especially given that my family couldn't pay for college, I have to take out a loan. So if I took out a loan. To pay for school i have to pay back that loan so when i got out of college i'd have to get a job so the institution would continue to find, to define my life like you would go from one school to another school to a job um where the weekends are real like you know weekends are you know that i had a friend who got a full-time job she's like oh i get it i understand what the weekend's about now um <laughs> I really, I so for me, I just saw it back then like, ah, I'm not, yeah, I don't want to submit myself to that. Doesn't, I don't, I think other people have, I'm not talking about other people, it's just me. I said, I just want, I just want to have an empty field. Like, you know, I'll take, I'll do the work and I'll take the responsibility and I, and I'll be, you know, whatever it is. I'll, I won't have, I, I won't have the things other people have. I just want to have my life. That's what I want. I want to own my own time. And that was really clear to me. And it was mostly because people kept saying, like, well, this is what you have to do. And anytime someone said you have to do something, it's worth taking a good look at that and see why you have to do it. What's the, find out what the why is, and then you'll usually figure out that you don't have to do it said that they didn't ask that question.
0: You know, it's a good point. And I think a lot of people don't need college. I think doctors do, but I think a lot of people don't necessarily need to go to school as much as they need to. I encourage them to do this the school um i, I want to thank you today i, I do have my, my last question is is, is more of a, uh, a casual question is what one what would you say your favorite book is what one book would you recommend to somebody you seem like a well-versed person like say hey you should, this is a good book you, generally people should read like what, what would you say is a good
1: i mean i can't i wouldn't have a i don't i'm not a list person so i don't have I don't know the person, what they're like, what they they read. I mean, one book they might find, I found very interesting as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, for instance, I read, like I was a huge Kurt Vonnegut fan. Yeah. I read all the Kurt Vonnegut stuff. You know, I found Breakfast of Champions, especially to be pretty, pretty profound for me, um, just in a way of approaching things. But a book that I thought was really, there's a book called Ringo Livio by a guy named Emmett Grogan. Mm-hmm. And uh it was a Emmett Grogan was a member of the Diggers. And the Diggers were a, a a an activist group from the 60s that were involved with the idea of they're the ones who came up with the phrase you can't steal it if it's free. They were interested in making free food and free furniture and free things for people. They were it was like a part of the, you know, the the um 60s kind of underground revolutionary underground stuff. And it's not a perfect book, but it's pretty goddamn interesting. And it talks about him growing up in New York and then what they because the difference, the diggers, as I understand it, this is my grasp on that, is that most of us have heard the Yippies, you know, Abby Hoffman and Jerry Rubin, people in that era. But part of the reason you heard of it because they were actually a that was they they were a promotional That's what they were doing. They were like, they were promotional. They were getting, they were advertising something. They were being sensationalists and they did a lot of theater to to get people's attention. They tried to, you know, they're going to levitate, levitate the Pentagon or, or, you know, they did an action once where they went to the, there's a balcony over the stock market and they threw dollar bills into the stock market and the, and the traders all started to wrestle each other, you know, so they did some really, you know, they ran a pig for president during the 68 election. They were very theatrical and that. And and as a result, they got a lot of press attention and then, then they've secured their place in history. The diggers, however, were doing the work and you don't hear about them as much because the press didn't write about them as much because it wasn't as sensational. If we only drink from the soda fountain, we just get sugar. But if you go to the spring, you might find something nutritious
0: and life affirming. That is perfect. I I, will end on that note because that's a great thing to say. I want to thank you. I mean, I love new books from different people. It's a a different way of thinking. I like somewhere I wouldn't normally go. It's, it's, you know, even your emails are nice. I just want to tell people, even your emails, you write back. It's just you're like, nice email too. It's like people, I, I'm sure mine were like horrible, but, but yours are like nicely written and it just feels like it's nice, you know, very gentle and, and just kind of calm the way you are. I was like, even his emails seem calm and relaxing. It just blows me away. So. Trying to you know, do well that, and be well. That's you it. Do, you be kind. And, and everybody, maybe I'm going to take it. The world's not on fire. We just need to be kind. I'm going to take that yeah. from that. Thank yeah, you. Thank you.
1: And I hope everybody gets a kick out of this.
0: I do, too. Thank you very much. Nice to talk to you. Bye-bye. Thank you.